On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I was just so pumped to get to talk to Alish Patel from Peak Designs. He is their head of digital and we talked about all of the interesting experiments uh, that he is doing over there. Really great marketing conversation. Again, I feel like I never have the same conversation twice and it's so interesting to get to talk to different people in the field in the e-com space and figure out what they're doing, especially some of these you know recent interviews where we're, we're interviewing some pretty big companies and figuring out how they've scaled to this point, especially with their digital. Uh, And things are changing, right? iOS 14 has hit us. Things are changing a huge amount. And and we talked about all of that and what these guys are doing and what they're doing at their company to really uh, move forward. I don't want to give too much away. I want you guys to listen to this episode. I think you're really going to love this one. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially all right i am here with alish patel from peak designs welcome to secrets to scaling your e-commerce brand Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Super nice to have you uh, all the way from Brooklyn. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah. So let's see. I am the VP of Digital and Growth at Peak Design. And I see that means I'm handling all of our paid advertising, our growth strategy, anything that kind of concerns our direct business and growing our user base there. Uh, my background is kind of all over the place. I have a degree in mechanical engineering and a master's in economics. I went over to the consulting world in New York, and then I kind of just sort of like tried doing my own thing for a while, made my way over to San Francisco and did the startup thing where I was head of marketing for some app companies and then did some uh, other sort of growth marketing consulting roles. And then for the last six years, I've been at Peak Design, where I kind of found a home for a little while. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, you sound like a bit of a nomad. So where did the marketing come in? How did you make that transition into marketing? Quite honestly, it was, I was in New York. I said, I like, took a year off after I worked for American Express and I was like, goodbye, big corporate world. And I was trying to start a few of my own ideas. And then I came back to New York after a stint living in Whistler, BC, just doing the ski bum thing. And then I knew I just wanted to continue learning as far as startups go. And I knew that I wasn't going to catch up as fast as I could. Like boot camps weren't as big of a thing back in 2000, whatever, nine. And I was like, I want to learn how to build and grow a startup. And I just kind of went through the process of who are you people hiring at like series A, series B? And they're hiring salespeople as well as marketing people to grow their growth marketers. And so I actually landed a couple interviews through some friends who were in San Francisco and bombed all of them. And then I went to Barnes and Noble back when Barnes and Noble was still a place where people went. I bought three marketing (laughs) books. I read them from cover to cover. And it was just about learning the lingo, kind of like taking what I engineering and thought process and solving problems 
and then applying them to marketing lingo. I hate to admit it, but I just learned the buzzwords. And then I got my first head of marketing job and then it kind of went to that. That is so great. Do you remember the books that you read at the time? No, no. I'd have to, I, I bought them and I returned them. I'll admit that. So. <laughs> so you're one of the reasons people don't go to Barnes & Noble anymore. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just read them and I returned them. Uh, so there's a couple of things that I want to touch on in here. Uh, number one is I freaking love going to Whistler. Uh, we live like an hour outside of Vancouver. So, uh, oh, cool. I was just in Whistler last weekend. So <laughs> that's the Sweet. first thing I want to touch on is, uh, it's always nice, you know, knowing somebody who likes Whistler. Second of all is I'd love to know like what you guys are doing at peak design. Like, what does it look like? Like what is the company for people who are just listening to this right now? Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about the company. And then I want to get into, especially because you're, you know, in the marketing realm, I want to get into what you guys are doing that may be different than what other companies are doing to grow. Yeah, we are a product design company that's focused on carry solutions. So what that means is we started out with camera carry, so straps, clips, kind of aimed at the outdoors. And then we are kind of upward hockey stick point really came when we started making bags and that started appealing to a much wider audiences. And so instead of making just a camera bag, we actually made a camera bag that was kind of inspired by photographers. Photographers like to organize their gear, have everything kind of reachable and accessible, very quickly and so we just thought we're going to make these camera focused but these are for everybody and we've kind of gone from there and then we've definitely chipped away at the photography market but we're also very much chipping away at the bag market as well gotcha so are you guys just direct to consumer or are you guys in stores as well no we're in stores as well so we had definitely had a big growth spurt as far as that goes over the last three years we're in rei best buy sorry i'd love to know that connection Mm -hmm. so like like you're in rei and best buy like two like (laughs) completely different types of stores. Yeah, I I think it goes back to what I was saying before and the broad appeal of stuff. So right in REI, kind of based in the fact that we are, we started out as this outdoor focused brand. Also REI is being smart on catering to a much wider audience. This is the, the market of sort of this, urban lifestyle bag with aspirational outdoors is a bigger growing category for them. Also photography outdoors, as cameras gotten smaller, more people have them and are taking them in the outdoors. And so REI kind of grew that part of their business. And then Best Buy was an easy slot in, right? You buy a camera there, you need a bag for it. So that that was pretty easy. And then besides those two, B&H is our biggest account in the US. Besides that one, we are distributed worldwide. So we have distributors in all the key markets. Cool. Cool. That's great. Well, hey, let's get into marketing. I'm really interested to hear what is working for you guys right now. We're recording this uh, end of February or middle of February in 2021. You know, the Facebook ads apocalypse is starting to, you know, come here. What is working for you guys right now? You just said it. The apocalypse is here and we've seen costs skyrocket as everybody else has over the last few months. But Facebook is still working for us. It's just taken a nosedive over the last couple of months. YouTube has been our biggest driver over the last year. We were kind of uh, ahead of the game a little bit in that we have this in-house video team of three guys who churn out quality video for us nonstop. So we have have upwards, I think we're close to 80,000 subscribers on YouTube, which isn't a huge amount compared to, you know, like Casey Neistat or anybody, but for just a product company where we don't put any energy behind it besides posting video, we are growing our user base there as far as videos go. And then using that to kind of making sure that we are having ad placements behind reviews and making sure we're tapping into this influencer market that has huge YouTube presence. Like those 
piling on top of each other is working. I think people can, forget. Can you explain explain that for a yeah. sec with the, the ads on reviews? Yeah. So obviously we have we have a lot of PR going on and we make sure that we are seeding our gear to influencer people on YouTube. And they're doing honest reviews for the most part. We don't really pay for your reviews on YouTube. And we get we kind of let those pile up and people forget that YouTube, much like other search material online is evergreen content as long as the creator keeps them up. Um, this was huge when we released our tripod. So we released our tripod, Peter McKinnon, which is who's one of the bigger YouTubers as far as photography goes on the site, did a great video on our tripod. And we still get tons of traffic through that video alone. But then I kind of layer that with pre-rolls and mid-rolls that I target at his channel, as well as competitor channels who are have growing influence on YouTube as well, as well as a slew of other people that are teaching photography or talking about gear or anything that pertains to our demographic. And so I'm just making sure I'm entering the conversation, whether someone's made a video on us or not. And sometimes it'll kind of feature like, Hey, did you see this video that Peter McKinnon made? And then they'll go look for it. And just remembering that YouTube's a search engine as well as a place for consuming content, because at least for our demographic, people are learning how to do photography on YouTube, just like you learn how to do anything on YouTube. So for a gear company, it's important for us to be at every point of the the interaction point there. So for a a company like yours, how many touch points do you guys figure? I'm sure you guys have this down to a science. Like how many touch Mm -hmm. points does it take marketing wise before somebody is going to make a purchase? Because it's a bit of an investment, isn't it? It is, but it kind of varies across the board because there are people who just get like an upgraded camera or, or, you know, they get a gift from someone that, that they're just starting to use. And then they, then they shop for accessories, whether it's a bag or strap. And surprisingly, it's not as many touch points as you think they'll, Christmas happens and we actually have big Januaries because someone will get a camera as a gift and then they'll go looking for a bag and then it'll only be one or two touch points. They'll Google, we do a good job on SEO. So they find us or they go to B&H or Amazon or something and yeah. then they'll look for a review and then within one to three days, we'll have a conversion from first touch point. And then there, there certainly are. Wow. That's really yeah. fast, hey? Like comparatively to, yeah. to other yeah. industries, like fashion is you know what we know really well and it's a lot longer of a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somewhere between, depending on the time of year, 85 to 90% of our conversions happen between three days in, in three days. And our average order value is in the 180 range. So like not that cheap, but not crazy either. So, and then the other side of it is the enthusiast. And obviously the loudest voices are like the huge hobbyists and they take a little longer, you know, they're, they're picking apart every bag oh, yeah. that's out there, you know, and those are like that last 5% that take at least a week, maybe two weeks to decide, or they're waiting for a sale. So what does that mean for your like retargeting funnel? We put a lot of emphasis on retargeting in those first three days. We have obviously the cart abandonment set up. A big channel for us this last year was SMS. We scaled SMS huge and it, and it paid off really big. So um, and who are you we, using for SMS? We were using a company called Tone, I believe. They okay. changed their names a couple of times. They're pretty small. Yeah, we, we use them and it was great. People we're stoked on it. We had a lot of resistance internally at the company. Like, oh, we, why are we texting people? That seems annoying. But no one ever complained. And in fact, uh, people enjoyed this personal touch that it felt like, you know, over text. So highly recommend text message. 
It's funny because I'm smiling because I've had this conversation with so many people about SMS. So you and I didn't get a chance to talk a ton before this, but like we, I own three brands um, as well as an agency. And in our brands, we're like, we're not doing SMS. Nobody yeah. wants to hear from us. We do not want to bother people. We, we were on the messenger train before Facebook kind of kiboshed Facebook Messenger, you know, being able to yes. send messages whenever you want. And I'm like, we're not getting into SMS. This is just too personal. And then I had people on my podcast that just were like, no, you got to try it. You got to try it now. It's definitely our second biggest driver of revenue, right? Every time mm-hmm. we send a campaign, it's like thirty, forty thousand yeah. dollars $40,000. Like, yep. why would I, how could I give that up? And if somebody's going to unsubscribe, they're going to unsubscribe. Everyone knows how to unsubscribe. <laughs> exactly. No, just write stop in all caps. Yes, that's yes, totally. And then your system <laughs> just kicks them out. So yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I was looking at some stats recently just on, on our particular company. Our SMS unsubscribe rate is less than our email. I would say we, we only ever have a handful every now and then. It's because when people get onto an SMS list, they know how to unsubscribe, but they mm-hmm. want those, those notifications right away. Whereas like emails just get lost, right? I still love email yeah. marketing, but like those SMS campaigns can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. Absolutely. Um, I'm, loving, I'm loving this conversation. I love what you're doing with targeting uh, those YouTube accounts. Are you able to use any of your user-generated content to advertise with? Are you guys doing anything like that right now? We haven't been doing that. We kind of dabbled in it probably like four years ago, especially like when it was when Instagram advertising wasn't totally annoying and taken over yet. We were like, oh, let's yeah. do every like three photographs. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think what, what's happened with us as a brand is that we've started to lean on the fact that we're like this premium design brand and we wanted a little bit more control over just our image kind of like buttoned up and tightened. So I think it's on my radar and I'm trying to figure out where to use it best, whether it's on our site, in our, in our product display pages or something like that. But we've kind of just thought about UGC as the sort of people will share it. And we do share it, you know, on, on our Instagram stories, people will tag us, but yeah. we've kind of kept it to the social side of things. I want to ask you a question. What is next? You know, what's going to be that next big channel after Facebook and Instagram, right? Because we're now seeing this like, you know, I mean, at least reported return on ad spend dipping. This is the one thing. So at our at, at Mindful Marketing, our agency, we saw this coming, you know, we've everyone's known that this is going to happen for a while. And so what we've been doing is just switching our KPIs, right? Because mm-hmm. you, ROAS just cannot be the KPI anymore. It, it was never a good KPI to start with right? It was a good little, like a thermometer, right? Of being like, okay, that's, that's what's going on here. But we, you really have to change. And it's kind of going back to old school marketing, right? Where it's like money in money out, right? That's what it's a little bit coming down to now. What's the next big channel in your mind? I think the next big channel is really just diversifying across them. And like, like you said, going back to basics of, okay, we all became so dependent on Facebook and Google uh, for the last whatever years. And now it's, there's so many out there that are do- Reddit so hot right now, obviously after the GameStop craziness of, of the couple of weeks ago. But, Reddit's unreal for advertising, by the way, at least yeah, from, so, a, from an agency standpoint, man. 
Yeah. So we, we're, we're going to go heavy into Reddit. There's obviously Quora. There's still email and um, getting into big lists. I think I'm looking at a company Live Intent, which, you know, you can buy space in much larger lists for, for advertising there. Podcast is still undervalued as far as what I'm you're with paying you. for CPM. And Spot- Spotify uh, is right in there too. CPMs are pretty mm-hmm. low. Yeah. And then I would say the biggest thing that we're going to scale this year is connected TV. And so, you know, Hulu just opened up their service platform and there's everybody's trying Steelhouse, which we used before, but I, you know, we, we didn't have great success with there. They've got, They've done a lot of inroads there, but I'm still looking for the right partner to help us scale. But connected TV is big. I found, I've actually found a really good partner that we're partners with at our agency, uh, Choosel. Really, really great. Anyone listening right now, Google Choosel right now, really cool product. You're only paying, I think it's like 99 bucks a month and you're, you're Mm -hmm. able to access all of these connected TV podcast placements. Like they match about 60% their match rate, which is like, that's basically Facebook and Google's match rate when you upload a custom audience. So you can really, if you're in the States, now in Canada, I have no clue. I highly doubt that they have much of a match rate. We don't have much connected TV up here anyway, but yeah, interesting. I feel like we're nerding out here on on, <laughs> on the marketing side. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, do you want the checklist that helped me generate $250,000 of e-commerce sales in 24 hours? If so, we're giving it away for free at mindfulmarketing.co slash s. L C download that today. Cool. That's awesome. Well, I got to ask you the question. I ask everybody who comes on this podcast, what is Mm -hmm. your secret to scaling? Not everything you do is meant to scale. That's the thing I live by, especially when you're starting out and growing a business, like do the things, don't worry if it's going to scale or not. Eventually some things don't scale. So it's about traction and leaving stuff behind when it's not scaling anymore. I don't know. That's like the anti-answer, but it's, I, I see so many people being like, I need to do this, but it's not going to scale. Who cares if it's going to make you a buck right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love it. I absolutely love it. No, I, I like to hear people's answers because lots of people are like against, there's so many things that are incredible to do that you can't scale. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and those things, it doesn't mean that those things aren't good to do. Right. And it's because of that <laughs> reliance on, on tracking ROAS that you were just talking about. Like spe- marketers forget to use their instinct based on attribution models now. Totally. And, yeah. and also like, how about customer data, right? Like, or like customer reported data, like stuff like that. Right. That's like, we don't need to know every single click all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like exactly. hearing it from people. Yeah. Uh, this is great. Uh, before we move on to our lightning round, any other wisdom that you want to share with our audience? I think we went through a lot there. As, as I, I, like I said, video is, everybody knows video is huge, but like if you have Can- a chance to invest, just like go deep on that. Like people are consuming so much as far as video goes. I had a chat with uh, one of the founders of Midday Squares. Mm-hmm. They're like a chocolate company based out of Montreal. And it's incredible. They have also a three-person video team that follows them around all day mm-hmm. uh, creating content, kind of like Gary V, but for like a business where like everyone, you have to sign a waiver when you start with the company that you're just going to be on camera. And they have yeah. built this cult following by investing with these three people that are always creating this like live TV show for them. Mm-hmm. It's really incredible. Before, sorry, before we move on to our lightning round, I want to go back a sec to buying uh, email newsletter uh, placements. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I think so. I wish I had more time to do this, but I think we'll, we'll talk about scaling. You, you're you often at a beginning of something piggybacking off of someone else's influence, right? So whether you're buying a full sponsored placement, you're kind of getting a, you're sponsoring a morning brew email blast or something like that, getting your name in front of people when it's on kind of a trusted name like that. But then, you know, I'm always getting offers for, do you want to be on this email blast? And we're kind of picking those off as individual media placements. What um, was the service you talked about? It was called Live Intent. And Live Intent. They're, they're one, and there's, they're one of a few brands on the markets. But think about, you know, the Condé Nast and the various publications they have and, you know, people sign up for the New York Times cooking thing or the Bon Appetit recipe email list. And they have inventory on those emails where you can place banners. That's right. So New, York, you, New York Times has those as well. Exactly. So That's right. you, you can place display ads just like you would on the web, except they're within an email. So you're catching someone in a much more engaged state, I feel like, because an email is not dead and, and it looks more... I don't know, probably just a little bit more in tune with the moment that they're absorbing some content instead of just like flipping through. Totally. Yeah. What are those CPMs like? Uh, they're, they're not that much different than, I'd have to look in my data. We've been running That's, this for not so long, but I can follow up. That's fine. I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to do an experiment with our companies and I'll do a, another mm -hmm. podcast episode about this because I, I yeah. love the idea of diversifying your traffic sources, right? It just makes so much sense to me. You know, there's so much traffic out there that is not Facebook and Instagram, right? And yeah, they're not always exactly. going to be around. Ah, so much, so much to talk about. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna move. We're gonna move on to our lightning round here. Uh, what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Zapier solves everything usually, you know. And I've been going heavy into Duolingo this year. I just think that it's one of the most clever habit forming apps that is around right now. How much time do you have to put in? Cause my, my kids are in French and we want to mm -hmm. go traveling to all the French places now, right? How much time do you have to put in to really like get conversational? I think that depends on the person, you know, right now I'm just doing the 15 minutes a day. I, I took French, I'm oh, doing the French 22 and I took French oh, okay. in college. Yeah. So I'm like trying to get it back. So like I, what's great about Duolingo is that you take like the, the intro test and it kind of puts you at the level and it lets you, you know, go forward or back depending on how good you get. So I'm just doing 10 or 15 minutes a day and that feels good enough for me. I'm like, oh, I can ask where the bathroom is and where the church is or whatever sort of thing. So I think for getting around, it's probably great conversational. You're probably going to be doing 15 minutes a day for at least six months, you know? Yeah. You got to keep up with it just like anything else. Totally. Oh, that's great. That's great. You've inspired <laughs> me. I, I'm going to, I'm, I, I've been looking into Duolingo, so that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. I just needed that little, that little push off the cliff. So uh, great favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now. Oh man. I love listening to books that have been read by their author so like last year i listened to michelle obama's book becoming of course and it was her reading it and yeah. then a really interesting one i think and that's a stick to politics is bill clinton's biography or biography that he reads himself from oh interesting uh, only that one because I'm a 90s kid or I grew up in the 80s and then I was an adult in the 90s. So like listening to his book after he did all, you know, his crazy eight years and the Monica Lewinsky stuff and when he talks about his impeachment and everything. And it's Bill Clinton, like one of the best orators from the last 30 years of our lives, you know. So I don't know. I thought that was a good one. Great oh, voice then, to listen to as well. 
yeah. And then Between the World and Me, Ta-Nehisi Coates, like just a great book and a great perspective to absorb in our current times. Awesome. Thank you. One more question for you. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, have some coffee, tea, wine, beer, who would it be? And they have to be alive. That's a tough one. I think I'd want to track down maybe, you know, I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll just say, I'll just down and talk to Trump and just be like, hey, man, what was that? <laughs> just for an hour, I'd be like, hey, dude, what was up with that? <laughs> I think he would be my answer, too. It's just like, I'd love to just know, like, are you real? Like, is that a persona or is this who yeah. you are? Yeah, I think I'd want just that <laughs> that sense of knowing, okay, you were faking it. Got it. Okay, this makes it okay. Then. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. was just a giant game, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Just look me up on LinkedIn for sure. I'm kind of redoing my website, but it's alishpatel.com. You can go there. There's a little link to email me if you want to ask me anything. And then, cool. yeah, LinkedIn or, or there or Peak Design. So, Alish awesome. Peak Design. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I really, really appreciate your time today. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. I thank you very much. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.